Welcome to the Better You Podcast, a show about maintaining healthy habits, living well, and the people who do both in their personal and professional lives. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in today to the Better You Podcast. Today we have an awesome conversation with someone I've known for over 10 years, Jake Turner. Jake has led learning and development at companies with over tens of thousands of people, helping them figure out how to go from A to B. We're going to be diving deep with Jake today, learning about how he's taken some of these learning and development tips and applied them to his own life around health and well-being. Let's get into it. Jake, thanks so much for joining us today on the Better You Podcast. Hey, Sean. Happy to be here. Thanks uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk to you. It's been a while. I love it. We go way back, but I'm going to ask you a few questions that I definitely do not know the answers to, starting with, where did your road to wellness begin, and how did you get to where you are today? I think uh, wellness isn't just physical. I think a lot of people might jump to, it's like, are you, uh, how's your diet? How's your exercise routine? All of that. But I like there's so much to consider with wellness. It's like, how are you thinking? How are you feeling? Um, how are you tied in with your community? How are you tied in with nature? How are you tired in with, tied in with, I said tired because I was going to say sleeping, but how are you tired? Like, are you sleeping well? Uh, are you exercising? Are you eating right? Self-care has been a big theme, I think. Um, uh, how, how are your finances? You know, like, yeah. are, you volunte- are you volunteering? Are you um, doing okay in your career? Like, so that's just so many things, right? Like, for sure. What's your wellness journey? For me, that that journey has just been evolving over time. And um, the the biggest things that I can think of are, I mean, my like, what's happening right now for me is um I'm I'm training for the 10 mile. I've ran a 10k before, so I thought I would up it a notch, but like I'm not built for running. I'm I'm kind of built for like lifting things. So I <laughs> but I haven't been doing that as much cuz I got the whole dad bod thing happening, but um you know, you know wellness to me is balance of it all, of everything cuz there's just so many things with life to like think about and account for and like to balance. You know? So that that's kind of like where did my wellness journey start? I th- I think really um, it started when I worked for a, a corporation that wore a lot of red in their stores and at their headquarters. <laughs> um, and they they talked about well being and it was a uh, a Gallup poll uh, and 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 these the study for like fifty years of a lot of people it came out into five buckets and some of those buckets or like social or career or financial or community or health, all of those things. And that's where I started really thinking about my wellness. And and I think that was probably like 15 years ago. I like it, man. The call out, especially around um, community and like giving back and doing things for others, that that's such a big part of social health and well-being. And oftentimes people think about, you know, just hitting the gym a couple times a week or, you know, thinking about it more holistically. It gives you a chance to embrace other parts of your life that are equally as important. Yeah, absolutely. When is the 10 mile run? Is that coming up here? I think it's the Medtronic Marathon on um, the race weekend is October 1st and they have the 5k or, or the 10k or the 10 mile or the half or the full marathon. So yeah, race weekend is coming and um, I ran six miles on Saturday and I was proud of myself because I haven't ran six miles in a really long time. So um, it's cool. 
when I was younger, I would just be like, I'm going to go run. And, but now I'm, now that I'm doing the, actually like the Hal Higdon, um, novice 10 mile plan where I'm doing stretch and strengthen and, um, other cardio and strength training, and then getting those three runs in a week. And it seems daunting, but if you can just check off a little box every day, and then just to get like a rest day in there too. And one of my rest days I went to the fair and still took 20,000 steps, but Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I'm supposed to rest, but I guess that like lots of cheese curds and pork chop on a stick. Got to burn that off. Yeah, exactly. The power of small incremental gains, right? Just checking those boxes six days a week and that seventh day to rest. I think that's a huge way. Certainly a big thing that we're a fan of over here at, at better you. I like how you say small incremental gains. Cause it, it makes me feel of, like your 401k, you know, you want to always be putting into that to retire. So like your health, you always want to be putting into that. So maybe when you retire, you still have your health with you. And, and I think we have to really think about that. Cause a lot of the, I, I think maybe on the previous generation's backs, which is like just grinding and grinding all the time and just kind of sacrificing some of their own personal wellness yep. um, for the, for the company or, or the job or wh whatever the reason, um, I think it's interesting and good uh, to think about those contributions into our wellness that over time will pay off dividends and pay us back, right? 100%. I think about that when I think about my parents and, and kind of where they've been going. Shifting gears a little bit, I want to loop back to wellness, but I know we spent you spent a ton of time in learning and development and employee development, and I want to dive there for a minute if that's all right. Yeah, please. First question, probably a simple question, but I feel like there could be a lot to it. When you think of employee development, what does that mean to you? So employee development, I feel like, is skill set building. But training and development, it's it's finding knowledge gaps or communication gaps in different audiences around an org, whether it be like a small organization or a really large global organization. Finding what those gaps are, finding the the right solutions to fill those gaps, and ultimately seek a behavioral change. You don't just solve a problem by throw a training deck at it of like 52 slides of like really dense, heavy text. Like, no, that's not the answer. Um, and, and I think your question was kind of like around skill or personal development right. versus the training and development. And, and I think personal development is kind of a subset under the umbrella of training and development. So you've got kind of the skill set focus, but it also sounds like you're looking at gaps and trying to match those gaps. This is something I find super interesting. So having spent now several years in the world of health and wellness, one of the things that I've learned is that everyone knows at some level that maybe they shouldn't go for the tub of ice cream at two in the morning. Like everyone has that knowledge, but there's other pieces at play, right? So when you're filling those gaps, what are some of the things that you identify as saying, oh, there's a gap here. I've got a group that wants to make a change, but they're struggling with some of the dynamics. You know, sometimes people think of training and they just think about the knowledge or the skills that are imparted, but I feel like there's other ingredients to that recipe too. Would love to just get your reactions there. So first of all, ice cream is awesome. <laughs> At any right? time. <laughs> right. But I, I agree. The 2 a.m. tub of ice cream, probably not the best choice. There's pros and cons, and, and maybe the cons definitely would outweigh the pros on that one. So in, in that same sense, finding those gaps, finding what needs to change, it's, it's like the organizational psychology of what, what are we doing and why are we doing it? Is that best for 
the company and or the end consumer or the end client? Are we getting to our goals the way we want to get to our goals if we're, if we're doing these certain behaviors? And, and ultimately, how can we approach, and maybe not all at once, but how can we approach those remediations to those behavioral changes that ultimately gets us into a more winning position? That's how I'm thinking about it. Because you know what? Every once in a great while, let's eat some ice cream at 2 a.m. Like, it kind of sounds fun, but... At the same time, it's like, what are what are the healthy habits and routines and behaviors that we can incorporate ice cream in, like when when it's probably more optimal, yeah, um, and in the and in the right amounts and in the right like everything in moderation for sure. Maybe you don't want the default to be eating the ice cream at two in the morning, but every once right. in a while, if the default is something else, and then you're really feeling it that one night for some reason, sure. Like, what if you went on vacation? You're getting away from the norms and all those things that you have to do and you have to be grinding on, or and you and your friends or even your family, you're up late, and so it's like it's ice cream time, and it could be a fun memory versus like a habit. And looping a little bit deeper there. So given that, you know, you're identifying these gaps that are already there. When you see, you know, good employee development or good training and development, is that something that you create or is it something that you're providing opportunities for team members to kind of take advantage of different resources that might already be in their path or resources that you're putting there for them? That's a great way to think about it. Are we creating something new or are we kind of leveraging existing tools or platforms for people to utilize? And I think the answer is yes <laughs> to both kind of, right? Like we, we want to create memorable learning experiences and, and there's, and how, how do you train 80,000 people on something? There's going to be what, what I would say, like an ecosystem of change or, or a, so you, you can't just create the module and send it out and, and record it in a learning management system, but maybe you also need some communications going on about, it. you might need some leader talking points going on about it. You might have to get specific or personal to, to the individual and what their role is and, and how they're thinking about it. So how do you create good learning experiences? I'd say kind of look at the total picture and, and figure out where can you where can you hit that like that big stone um, or that big rock if you will, but also sprinkle in those little um, pebbles or even the like even the more granular things and just try to hit a little bit everywhere. My professor that I had back at St. Thomas he, for communications, he'd be like, "You can tell someone something, but." They might not, it might not stick or they might not remember it. So people start paying attention once they've seen or heard or read something six times. So we also can be chief reminding officers on things that are coming out, are things that we're trying to communicate, are things that we're trying to train on, are things that we're trying to get people to remember or act differently on. I love it. Thinking about, you know, connecting with people and being that, that chief reminder officer. It reminds me of another question in that same vein, which is when you're communicating something, in several different ways, or maybe you're getting leadership and then there's your voice and all these different perspectives. How do you kind of keep the voice or the tone of the company? How do you keep that intact? Cause that's something that I've, I've struggled with where sometimes I'll go and, and like do a message and it sounds very much like Sean versus sounding like better you. How do you kind of keep those pieces, you know, together? How do you not play telephone or like lose, lose our like distilled information or the essence of what you want? I think part of it is like set. So in the training and development world, 
or learning and development, we call it, we set learning objectives. And learning objectives are outcomes of what we want after we're creating assets to deploy. Like hopefully after consuming this or participating in this or completing this sort of activity, you'll be able to know and or do things a little bit different or even having you thinking about or know where to go to find the right answer. As far as the communication pieces go, it's the same. What are the key priorities to communicate or what are those key messages? How do we ensure that those things are being touched on every time? And we, we've used things called like a, like a messaging map where we've got three things and when you put them in your little communication slide and you, you say what the, the three overarching things are that you want to communicate and then all the different ways that you could say them. But just making sure like whatever you're saying, it just aligns back up at that top level of what you want to say. So that way the, the message stays relatively the same or relatively consistent. And then you know um, that you have a platform to, to use to, to, to communicate those things with. I was really hoping you were going to say it happened by pure randomness and that I didn't have to plan for it up front. No, it sounds like there's some a part of the process that I'm missing in our, our internal comms. And so that messaging map idea, that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Finding, you know, you get three, you know, three by three grid or something is kind of how I'm imagining it. And you get all these different ways to say it, but it's still all going back to what you want. So that way it's not the, the game with the telephone where I tell someone to, I could use some pens. And then at the end of the, you know, the line, we've got random snacks for the office or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A little randomness is okay sometimes to be a little whimsical, but you don't want to be so far out that it, it's not in alignment with, with what your goals are, right? Or what your learning objectives are, communication objectives are. For sure, for sure. And I could see that being confusing, right? If I'm hearing it three different ways and it's all kind of similar but different, I might end up focusing on the differences for, versus actually getting the main message that all three are trying to get across. What are some of the methods that you found for building good learning and development? You know, what are there certain mediums? I know you spend a lot of time in the world of video. Are there other mediums that you're seeing a lot of right now that you've seen be very effective in achieving those learning objectives? What are some of those kind of wins that you've seen? Also, maybe things that you've tried that you'd say, I don't know if I would do that exactly the same way again. That's a really great question. I'm thinking immediately back to what we were just talking about a little bit, like what's the ecosystem, right? Where are all the places and how, and what are all the ways in which we can communicate with people? Because people learn differently, they think differently, they respond to communication differently. So like, if I make this video and, and shoot it out, am I gonna accomplish it? Or do I need a video and a PowerPoint presentation or a job aid and an email? Or I think it's about thinking about your audience, knowing where they're at, knowing how they use technology or different communication platforms. I think the, the one of the most obvious answers right now is like, especially in, after everything that's happened um, with kind of forcing the working world online uh, during COVID and then now sort of coming back hybrid in most places, some places coming back all the way. It's like, what are our online collaboration and or social tools? So, and, and what's, and what's the impact of social media on the external world versus how we work and communicate internally and do it professionally. One thing that comes to mind for me right now, and it's a challenge, but it's a, it's sort of a fun challenge too, is how are we using social within our workplace 
to connect, to align, to share wins, to get to know each other, but also do it in a way where we're not just like sharing random cat videos or something like that. A lot of people are like, social media is awful. I'm saying off it. It's toxic or it's just a bunch of spam. My mom won't stop posting on my wall. And that's their experience of it. So they're like, we're probably not going to bring that into the workplace or I refuse. Send me my email and send me my PDF newsletter. That's all I want. Um, where I'm challenging that a little bit, I've created communities online just for our global team where we share high uh, priority work, milestones, recognition. And then I'll even like shoot little nudges out and say, hey, that was a really good job on that project that you did. Could you go post something on it? And then I, every month I do what I call a social newsletter and I just do one line, say, check out Rhonda's post on this new initiative that impacts this many people, really interesting. Or check out my post on machine translation and how we're using our global partners and in, in, in that tool to get a, a free, um, except for their time, in almost immediate versus this two-week process that's very costly. Here. Sure. So, And then having, the, having our big group all see that in one spot, it's kind of neat. And then you'll get a cat video, and, and everyone's like, this cute cat. I really like cats. That's, that's, that's really great. What, and then what are we working on again? Okay. Because like social media also is a distraction. But it's here to stay, and if leveraged appropriately, it can actually make things easier. Like, get rid of your newsletters, get rid of your meeting recaps, your announcements, and put them all in that one spot, and then recap it. Nice. I like it. You know, it's funny. I remember doing, and this was probably back in like 2016. I did, you know, a MOOC massive open online course, and those, you know, you ever run enrolls in a program, you're trying to learn some skills. But what this one did that I thought was really cool, and it was a program by a company called HT2 Labs, they would pair you in a small cohort. So even though the MOOC might have, whatever, tens of thousands of people, I was with a group of 20. And some of those types of share outs that you're talking about, where it's not just like sharing out my homework, it's like, hey, what's something that surprised you? Or what was this thing? Or do a quick five-second video introducing yourself to your core, like little random things like that. I actually, you know, found myself remembering the people in my, even though my class technically was whatever, 10,000 people, the people in my little group actually became people that I would know. And then, you know, by the end of the class, I felt like I had a connection with some of them. And I think it's important to have that at work. Certainly we talked about social health and well-being earlier, you know, getting to know the people you're working with every day is a huge part of that. Cause that's where we spend so much of our time. I like that you're talking about that because 10,000 taking the course is tremendously large, right? It's like, but when you when you narrow it down to twenty and you're and you're doing connecting uh, activities even remotely, you're, you're still finding a way to connect and learn and grow. And I think that's something that businesses need to really think about today, uh, especially with like new hires or onboarding new people that are like mid career transfers. Um, you're not going in physical spaces and meeting people, so it's like you 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 lose some of those. Um, how do you want to say spontaneous connections? Right. And like the coaching or mentoring or like the, the walk ups, like, hey, can you help me with this? Those, those are kind of when, when we went all online, I felt like those were all really few and far between. And yep. unless yep. it was really intentional. Right. Of, like there was a, a liaison being like, here's who you should meet and here's how you should meet them. And so I, I think I think in kind of this new hybrid world that we have um, when we're not in person as much. We, we, we need more of that intentionality or when we're in person, also focusing on those kinds of things too. 
those are the the happy accidents, right? Where you bump into someone and they've got an idea that just happens to help you with the project you're on. Yeah, it's ha- it's happened a hundred times to me over my career. So it's the best. So creating a, a space where you can have some of those happy accidents, or maybe instead of it being you bump into someone, you see their posts and it gets you thinking. And I like it. I like it. Yeah. One of the pieces in there, Jake, that you mentioned was on different learning styles. This is one not to not to open up the total, you know, Pandora's box here, but there's so many different ways people learn best. How, when you're designing programs, how do you try to take that into account as much as you can? You know, are y'all surveying people to kind of learn more about what their styles are? What analytics, if any, are you measuring in posts to say, hey, it was this type of content, it was that type of content? And are there other considerations even besides those that you're diving deeper on when it comes to trying to match what you're providing with the styles people best learn in? There's a few things that come to mind. I think of um, technology solutions and behavior solutions to get a total quality of a solution. So yeah. what tech are we using and how are people interacting with it? And what's the, what's the overall score for if you add add or multiply those together sort of thing. The other thing you, you talked about learning styles and just from being in learning and development. So on, it's like kinesthetic, auditory, visual learning. Like what are we, what are we doing? Like people are hands on, they need something tangible. They need to, they need to be in a classroom. They need to actually construct. They need to do, they, they can't just sit there and read or, 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 but then you have the visual learners like myself. I just replaced a garage door um, with a YouTube video. So nice. Like, <laughs> like God bless them. And, and actually there's this uh, plumber. I changed the toilet and like I, I, I never thought like I would learn from a, a plumber and I, she lived in New York and she's like, she started out with, you can do this. I believe in you. You can change the toilet. It's not going to be hard. So like, that's very visual. Right. And, and, and I, and auditory, but then blending the kinesthetic, like I had to consume an asset with an iPad. So like we're, we're changing the way that we're learning. Yeah. And how are we measuring that, or how are we doing that? And, and I and it, I mean, website traffic is one thing. Our email click-throughs are another thing. Our training completions are truly a, another thing. Like there, there's lots of different ways to measure these things. But I think it's also just kind of knowing inherently, like where are we now these days, and what are those things that we have to produce, and why not make for all of them? So trying to make content for those different types. I'd be curious to get your take. So I remember there was a school. Maybe you, you saw this, same as me. This is back in 2017. And they said, hey, all of our students want to learn different things. And this was, you know, younger kids, kind of grade school age. And they said, let's give them the option to say, hey, what do you want to learn today? Instead of us saying you're doing social studies from 9 to 10, and then you're doing gym, and then you're doing this, then you're doing that, math, music, et cetera. And the kids came in and the first day they would write down a bunch of random things. They wanted to go have play, uh, play time the whole time. But after a couple of days of that, they didn't want that anymore. They said, man, I would actually like to learn something. And they wrote down topics that were important to them. And it was this really cool idea of customized learning and development, hyper-customized, like a different lesson plan for each of these 20 students. And of course, it becomes a, a pain to kind of manage the work downstream, right? Because it's like, I have to make, as a teacher, that sounds awesome, like a, as a student, but as a teacher, that sounds like a rough you know, class to have to administer. How do you think about managing the workload as you're incorporating those different styles? And what's your thoughts on kind of that level of like hyper-personalized learning? Do you have any, any thoughts or reactions on, on that school? I don't know if they're still doing it today, but it was an interesting experiment. I remember seeing the story come out about that. It's like, study whatever you want. And I think anecdotally, it was super successful, right? At least that's what I, I don't remember the name of the school, but I do remember the principles behind it. 
while you know if you have this um, innate motivation or enthusiasm to go learn and do and and, and st- like why why wouldn't you like you if you have that energy to go and do that I think you're going to be more successful I think that's like the ten thousand hour principle if it's something you love you spend more time with and just by spending more time with it and loving it then you have passion on it and like and that, and what we need is to find that like passion skill sets and business needs and right in the center of that sweet Venn diagram I just drew that's where the, the key is to like that hyper individualized um, learning or, or or whatever you want to call it however as you said like there's no way we can get down especially with a company of like 100,000 employees all over the world in 151 countries that speaks 21 languages there's no way that we could get to every single individual but with that said we can try to create and or design learning activities um, that are just right just in time and just for me those are some of the things to like go after if you will um, if, if you can put help where they need it when they're doing their job like if you have like hey having trouble with this step in this process click here and, and read these steps or screenshots or watch the watch the system demo or watch or get this person's take or click out here for the community on this and get an answer within a day I, I think that's kind of how we balance um trying to get everything perfect and solve for every problem versus creating resources where people can sort of self-serve and go search for answers tapping into that school example that you brought up like we want to learn this so let's go find it and do it i wonder if that doesn't relate back to that point you made earlier right of you know are the gaps already there and you're you're kind of the one just plugging it the gap is kind of that innate desire i want to be able to do this i care about this topic i want to i want to learn science or social studies or whatever it is as that that little kid in that school back in 2017 and the, the L&D then is saying, okay, we've got these different ways of reaching you. Let's, let's connect some dots and get you what you need. So we started our conversation, right? Thinking about, you know, wellness, kind of your wellness journey. We spent a lot of time on, on the learning and development world. And there's a term you use a lot. You talk about behavior. That's one of the, that's one of the wins, right? When, we, when we're thinking about learning and development, we're looking for behaviors. And so I guess my question for you, Jake, is how do you see L&D and, and wellness, whether that's at the corporate setting, whether that's just at, for a person, how do you see those two things you know, converging? How do they relate to each other? We talked about personal development, and then we talked about org development or org psych. I think everything is related. Learning and wellness has to be related. If you're so fried out in your job and just barely making it just by doing everything, and then like leadership or tone at the top is not sending, setting those right areas, right avenues up or time aside for you to work on sort of like your health or your own skill development, it's not going to be as effective. So like technology solution, behavior solution, total quality of solution. Again, I'll make that that um, that equation from change management that um, a former leader that I used to work with always used to say that I really that always stuck with me that equation I I really like it because it's not just what we build or what we create it's how people engage with it and if they're gonna like it and it's not it's not always a people problem sometimes it's a process problem right or most of the time it's a I said that wrong like most of the time it's a process problem not a people problem so like how do how does learning and development our personal development relate with wellness. I, I, I think that there's a lot of like obvious and then some sort of counterintuitive things as well. So I read like Google gave a certain percentage of 
time to all of their employees to work on whatever they wanted to work on. Yep. 20% time. Well documented. Absolutely. That resonated with me because that's, that's sort of like I gave myself permission in a way to like, how do I get more creative in my role? How do I do things a little bit differently? And that over time has been successful for me. Um, and it, it's it's built better relationships. It's created more value and meaning and purpose in my work. It's um, it's it's helped me develop too. So by adding to my wellness bucket, I added to my professional development bucket. Absolutely. And and as you know, you mentioned kind of those five areas that you focus on career was was one of them. Right. And so finding a way to be more fulfilled in the work we do each and every day. Great way to get happier and healthier and balance, man. Everything's balance. So thinking about wellness, there's something you do that I also do a lot of, and I'm curious why you do it. I found this on one of your posts, you were talking about doing a lot of walking meetings and like the different benefits of having like walking standups and like being on the move during the day. Uh, tell me a little bit more, like how do you use movement throughout your day? Like what, what's, where did that kind of come from for you? What are some of the benefits and things you've seen as of doing it? We, we talked a little bit about, I would say like my formative, formative early career years. Um, I used to do walking statuses in the sky. I was downtown with people and they were always really fruitful, really productive. And it was just nice, again, like tying your wellness in with your productivity or your career and ideas came up. And, and I think there's like brain physiology studies that actually show like mood elevation types of thinking, changing idea generation, fluidity, spontaneity, all these things. If you're, I mean, think about it. Like humans aren't supposed to be crunched over at a desk, you know, typing and getting carpal tunnel over time. And I think we're meant to move, man. Like, I think some businesses are really taking account for that. Like making, stand, like I'm at a standing desk at home that I, I, I invested in. I think businesses are starting to do that. I take walking statuses even these days uh, at at work with some of my colleagues, and whether they're near or far, and. You know, it just, it builds relationships and relationships build trust and trust means speed and speed can most of the time mean performance and it just goes on and on. I kind of relate it for me personally back to the accountability partner concept, right? Like if I have a walking meeting with Bailey on my team and we have it every Thursday, the fact that we have something coming, I might just see Bailey in the hallway and that prompts me of like, oh, that's right. We're going on this walking meeting Thursday. I should maybe try to get my steps in before then. And it also creates kind of this social reciprocity. I don't want to let this person down. If I say, oh, we're, let's not walk today. I feel like, oh, we were doing this together and now I'm kind of you know, shutting it down in a way. Didn't want to do that. And so what we find with that you know, mentality, just an accountability partner, better you data, you're 15% more likely to go and achieve your steps goal for a day, whether it's 10,000, 7,000, whatever, if you're doing it with someone else. And so for me, that's one of the reasons why I do it. It's because it's a great way to get moving, just like you mentioned, the creativity, the productivity. But it's also something that helps me kind of, I think, move a little bit more just in my day in general. Absolutely. All right. Well, I've got three questions for you here, Jake. These are kind of the, the tail end questions. We ask these questions for every single person on the show. What does wellness mean to you? I'm going to do the soundbite recap. Wellness is balance in all things that are demanded from you in life. I like it a lot. If you were to have one simple thing that people could do to improve their wellness, what would it be? That's a good question. The very first thing that pops in my mind is awareness and acknowledgement. Like know thyself, right? Like part of the solution is first identifying what the problem is and becoming aware and then taking some action 
to identify that. So that's what I would choose. I love it. Where can people follow you or, and learn more about what you're up to, whether it's, you know, professionally, or I kind of want to find out how the, the 10 mile run does. Is that going to be published somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, my, my literal goal is to just run it and don't stop. And I'm not for speed. I'm not, I, I'm not going to get on a podium. Like this is just for me. Um, I, I don't need to impress anybody else. I just competing with myself yesterday and I'm going to win from yesterday. So that's kind of like not for anybody else to see, but you can send me a text or you can give me a call and I'll let you know how it goes. I'll shoot you a text. <laughs> I think that's for the record. I think that's a great reason to be running, right? Like you're doing yeah. it for you and, and you're my going kids, from zero you know? to one. And that's, that's awesome, man. I, I haven't run that far. I don't think ever. So <laughs> if anybody wants to connect on LinkedIn, share ideas, um, I'm happy to do that too. Cool. We'll include your link here in the the show notes as well. Well, Jake, this is awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to, to jam and, and reconnect. This is a lot of fun. I feel like I learned a lot about L&D and thinking about ways it can tie back into the health and wellness space. Thanks so much for taking the time with us. It was a pleasure. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Better You Podcast. If you're interested in continuing your journey to improve health and wellness, learn more at betteryou.ai.